there will be no real non-controlled currency in the world. Bitcoin is punk rock. Deal with it. You split, we bankrupt you. So do you use Lightning wallets to pay for things or not? No. Bitcoin Cash would be seen as more of a threat to the United States hegemony than Bitcoin. Miles, tell me, what's your favorite kind of money? Bitcoin Cash. Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast. Following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency number one, as always, still on that eternal quest. This is episode number 61, Centralized Chains versus Decentralized Development, featuring Killian. I didn't actually ask if that's the correct pronunciation, but I think I'm pretty sure that's right. Monday, the 10th yeah, of October, <laughs> 2022. I'm your host, uh, Jeremy Jett, is producing the show as always and our guest today is a bitcoin cash app developer and i assume also a regular professional developer but i i don't know you can uh let me know in a long time listener of the show too i believe uh welcome to the show how'd you get into bitcoin hi hi well um well i'll answer the okay where do we start um where do uh how do i get into bitcoin i'll start there because I did develop the app, but it's not my full-time job anyway. So, but okay, there um, you go. yeah, <laughs> uh, I got into Bitcoin. I think 2017. I think it was somewhere halfway 2017. But I heard of it somewhere in 2013. Someone mm-hmm. told me about it. I was like, "Oh yeah, it's cool stuff. Check it out." I just back then I thought it was like some other kind of PayPal or Stripe or something like that. And it was only in 2017 that someone told me like, oh, well, Bitcoin's risen in price. I was like, what? Some, it r- rose in price? I thought it was pegged to the dollar or something like that. So I was like, huh, let's, let's try to, let's see what, what's all this about. Then it very, very quickly, I saw that it was so much stuff on Twitter and, and Reddit and all that kind of stuff. I thought, you know what, let's just, let's just check out the, the technical basics and let's see if I can find some books on it. So I read the the mastering uh, mastering Bitcoin by um, Andreas Antonopoulos. Yeah. Antonopoulos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So stuff like that. I, try, I tried to find books on the subject because there was so much blah blah on Reddit and everything, and very like very quickly I came to the conclusion like, hey, wait, what? What's how come? Because um, the fork had already happened by then. I was like, but wait, why? Why is BTC so much larger than BCH? And I just had a hard time wrapping my head around it after like going through the technical side of everything. So then only later on, I, I started hearing about like, or reading up about possible uh, manipulations and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I mean, that's super interesting. Actually, we've had a good amount of guests on this show. I would say who there seems to be a bit of a sweet spot of people who came in, particularly in 2017, either right before the fork as all the debate was kind of, at the, the the climax of everyone's like fervor over it or immediately afterwards in which there was there was sort of a you know a bit of a riveting in the community and there was it would have been a very it's hard for me to imagine actually tr- getting involved at that time because there would have been i mean there's always a lot going on in crypto but particularly at that time it would have been mm-hmm. so hard to try and get to the bottom of what is actually going on shout out to dwells welcome to the chat for the first time 
And so at that time, it would have been so chaotic and trying to make sense of all what is going on with people being censored. And then there's conflicting stories on on each side. But from what it seems to me, people who did join at that side seem to have fallen very heavily onto one side or the other. I, I've observed that the people we interview, obviously, on average, uh, more like Bitcoin Cash, but I've also heard interviews and stuff with other people on the BDC side who said, I got in at 2017 and I knew that Bitcoin Cash was a scam. And like, da, da, da. I don't hear a lot of people say, I got in at 2017 and I thought, oh, maybe I'll get a bit of this and a bit of that. I didn't, haven't heard that much uh, of that actually. So super, super interesting that you say that and what was your like so you're it's interesting you went straight to the technical docs as well too not many people do that either you thought look if i go to the where the high signal is it'll be in the technical documentation rather than on reddit or whatever well it would start off more like a question like wait, wait how how on earth can you create something that has a fixed supply and like i was i was very skeptical in the beginning of the things i read like no but that's not possible you know and then I read some some of it, and then eventually, like you find the you find the white paper somewhere. It's like, okay, let's let's try it out. Let's check this, and then, oh wait a minute, oh wait, whoa, okay, now I need to find out all the details about this stuff. And then there's also another book, like the I, I took them along with me. I just took them out of the cupboard, like this one, for example. Okay, <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I don't know that book. What is that? Satoshi it's, it's, looks so like a cake on the front cover of, or something. Exactly. Well, it's I think it's some like cave cave painting or something. Book of Satoshi, and it's uh-huh. um. It's like all the the original um, original blog posts and stuff like that bundled of of the conversations with Satoshi. So it's uh-huh. it's kind of like all of his uh, first all of his quotes and everything. Yeah, everything like that, are kind of all bundled in one book. So I thought that was also cool and to read through and like see like what's what what were what was the thought in the early conversations and stuff like that. Because I mean imagine all the way in the beginning if you come up with this idea and, and people you share around i mean even now still people sometimes think it's like oh what are you talking about it's all scam blah 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 like even even now i still have that feeling so i can't imagine what it would be in the beginning so well that's the really interesting thing and it's been interesting talking to so many guests too who come in at different times all the different pathways people find their way into it because it's very indicative of just the way knowledge is in general, I think, which is that it's it's like it already all exists. Well, not all of it because people find new stuff, right? But a lot of stuff exists and depending on where you're born and at what time and at what you know age or what uh, time in your life you come to a certain subject, you are starting at zero and somebody else mm-hmm. is already way down the road on the 500, you know, <laughs> 500th level of something. And so you've sort of got to slowly chip away at it and get into it. And everybody has a different um approach to that right so uh for me it's hard to uh relate to a lot of this stuff like i a lot of these books and whatever i haven't read that i should probably read uh mastering bitcoin i've read the first couple chapters of that but other ones like the block wars or the bitcoin standard or things that people get into and they read it and that's kind of how they come to understand bitcoin is when I joined that none of that stuff existed. So I just read the white paper and the forums. That's all that, that's all there was. So I just mm-hmm. got into it that way. And by the time those books and stuff came out, I don't need to, have, I already know, you know, mostly what they're going to, going to say. I mean, I guess maybe I could always learn something from them. I'm not saying there's nothing in there, but mm-hmm. I don't have a strong sort of need, but so, you know, from mm-hmm. that perspective, everybody comes in at a different point of the hype cycle as well too, I think. And that also plays into how they experience it is a huge like adrenaline rush or like if you 
get in at the top and then it just crashes and everything dies and you think oh have i made a huge mistake <laughs> right like that can also uh play into it too i think so it's certainly an emotional a different emotional flavor for for everybody mm-hmm. who learns about it and so then do you are you a like so you said you're not a developer but are you in some kind of technical occupation then it's very interesting that you went straight to that tech stuff being as late as you were relatively speaking and without being a developer oh yeah yeah well i'm i'm um i'm an engineer by trade yeah. so uh, actually the funny story was i was actually um i was still in college when i in 2017 and i think it was like a f- few months before exam period and i i discovered bitcoin i was like oh man i gotta know all about this so i pretty much locked myself up for two weeks and just kept on finding out, okay, how does this work? How does this work? And I failed all my subjects that semester. I just failed everything because <laughs> I was so involved with trying to figure out what's this Bitcoin thing. Like, well, this is huge. This is like, well, how, how could I not have like, I remember, I remember before thinking like, what's going to be the next big invention like the internet? Like I, was, I remember thinking if I lived in 2000 somewhere, I'd be totally all over the internet trying to, to, to to start something or do something with it and i was like oh, too bad there's nothing new like that until until i found bitcoin i was like whoa this is it you know <laughs> yeah it it truly is one of the i mean everything is like that again where it just goes back mm-hmm. to knowledge any anything if you drill into it enough you can find all the kind of layers of it but it is certainly a very deceptive thing about bitcoin and very ironic that it has such an uh reputation for being just scammy or it's just people speculating to get rich or whatever but it's kind of about finance but then once you look at it okay it's also about computer science and it's also about politics and it's also about uh the interplay of those things in a very unique way it's about sort of human rights at a certain level and then it you know becomes around uh governance and about society and all these things kind of lay layer on top of each other the, the more you drill into it uh, and I, yeah, obviously I'm perpetually uh, fascinated by it, but it's great to, that, that there are other, other people, what you described about getting into it for a whole couple of weeks and being obsessed with it. That was also very typical of people who were earlier often, like if you hear about like Roger Veer or like Andreas Antonopoulos or Mike Kern or any of those, a lot of people you hear them talk about, they kind of got sucked down the rabbit hole um so uh, yeah you actually have a lot of the hallmarks of people who got into bitcoin <laughs> several years earlier than than you you did that's uh very interesting I, I don't think we've had anyone on this show who has that combo of uh being in the 2017 or later but having the sort of og mm-hmm. uh traits and then you found this show early then it sounds like you've been listening for a long time yeah i think pretty much in the beginning i think maybe like the first two episodes i missed or something but i i found it i don't know how even i found it but i found it quite quickly and i was like okay this is cool stuff because so i just kept on listening and now we're here so <laughs> you must have powered through those early episodes man the sound quality was shocking when i go back and listen to them i'm like uh, i'm glad that was some good quality that was probably actually some of the best quality content in terms of how educational and in-depth it was it was a bit less conversational just me sort of ranting mm-hmm. a, a bit more or, or drilling into things maybe we're gonna have to go back and redo some of those uh topics but when i listen to it, i'm like man this sound quality like I, I can't <laughs> even stand to listen to it. it's my show so uh i'm i'm glad that enough people like you soldiered through it to to make uh, at me least up my game 
at least I don't remember it that way. Like I remember it being okay. So I mean, <laughs> it's probably well, gotten better over the time. So, but I don't remember yeah, it being yeah. bad sound quality, but. Uh, I don't know when I listen to it, there's like scraping in the background and just hissing and oh man, it's terrible, but uh, that's all right. Things, everything improves, right? Uh, including Bitcoin cash. So speaking of, let's get on to our topics this week. So we've got to start with the price as always. I've got crypto bare bottom continues. I'm increasingly of the mindset that, yeah, kind of we're past capitulation. Everybody's sold that. Okay. Maybe there'll be a bit more down, but you know, the worst is probably over. Um, famous last words, USD $114.42 for BCH down a little bit. One BTC buys 168.11 BCH, so also down a bit. And one Ethereum buys 11.41 BCH down a, a, a touch. So BCH kind of struggling a little bit this weekend. How do you find the uh, price and the volatility and the financial aspect? Are you much of a trader or a, in altcoins? How, how do you deal with the finances with Bitcoin Cash? Well, I'm, I'm not a trader at all, but I mean, I own a few, few other altcoins. Like, like on this page, the only one was, would be Monero. I own some Monero and a few other ones as well, but I'm, I'm not a trader at all, but like, I, I just have a hard time thinking that. I mean, if, to beat the market, you—I don't know. I think you'd be have to make it your full-time job, something like that. So that's that's not what I want to do. So. <laughs> but. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I mean, obviously, we did a listener survey a couple of weeks ago and had a look at what coins people who listen to the show have, and Monero was up there. Ethereum was the most, and then uh, also Monero and BTC were a couple of the other highest sort of most uh, represented ones, which are which mm -hmm. are pretty unsurprising to me. It's the ones I, I would mm -hmm. pick, but I, I think probably at some stage I do need to have a guest on who is big on all that trading and gambling and get them to give a bit of a breakdown because it's certainly not my area of expertise i just lost money when i did trading but i had, I had fun i guess uh, it is it is kind of addictive it is kind of like a bit of a weird video game uh but mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> at the end of the day you know yeah you got it beating the market is so so difficult if it's not your kind of full-time thing so glad to hear we're here for peer-to-peer -peer cash first topic of today is the binance chain got sort of hacked and shut down. So I have here a tweet from BNB chain due to irregular activity, we're temporarily pausing BSC. We apologize. Uh, that's the Binance Smart Chain. We apologize for the inconvenience and we'll provide future updates here. Thank you for your patience and understanding. And then they added to confirm we have suspended BSC after having determined a potential exploit. All systems are now contained and we are immediately investigating the potential vulnerability we know the community will assist and help freeze any transfers. <laughs> All funds are safe. So this was on October 6th. So this is a few days ago. This drama went down with BNB having 2 million BNB siphoned out of their uh, bridge between their BNB beacon chain and their Binance smart chain bridge. Now, Binance being <laughs> a relatively... Uh, centralized chain they only had 26 active validators out of supposedly 44 but i don't know that was some stat i read but i don't know that, that i'd put a lot of faith in that and so they basically just shut down the chain with the central control and put in a hard fork to uh blacklist some of these addresses where the hackers had put their money of course 
think at least some of the money the hackers had already got out. They'd already swapped it into another crypto, and this then created a bit of chaos in their ecosystem. But the price didn't actually take that much of a hit. They fell from $295 a coin to only $275, which is you know, not too bad. It's less than 10% uh, with, <laughs> with getting your whole chain hacked and taking the whole thing offline. And there's now some sort of, uh, I don't know, discussion going on in the Binance community as to what to do about these frozen funds are they going to just burn those coins are they going to use their burn on binance chain to sort of pay back people who lost money in the hacker funds and all that kind of thing but it's just brought up here as kind of another case of the classic crypto hack there's one every two weeks so it's good to see but it's the theme of the episode is centralized first decentralized chains so i'm i'm curious to get your take on all these hacks and scams how 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 much attention do you pay to all this chaos in the crypto world uh, I, would, I would say not so much i often whenever i hear about other coins or 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 other projects i often think like okay um i imagine like the bitcoin didn't exist yet and that the that person or that group would come out with that idea and try to post it like on those early forums and stuff like that and and i ask the question like do you would it would it gain traction or not? And I would say even even things like proof of stake. I mean, but that's that's my personal personal opinion at least. I I kind of think like if that's if that's what would be discussed all the way in the beginning on those first forums, I don't I don't even think it would even gain traction to begin with even. So, but just because crypto is such a large industry anyway, and people kind of have like like know the idea kind of that many other things can gain traction which otherwise just won't make a chance at all. So I kind of think the same thing is is valid for centralized chain uh, chains and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it's a good point, and I think it's something I, I also have a similar sort of litmus test, or where I see so much nonsense going on, <laughs> and I just think to myself, like for proof of stake, I think is a a classic example of that. Which is, if you just think, if Bitcoin when it had launched had been proof of stake, yeah. would it have been exciting? No, not in the slightest. Why? Because it would everybody would have just said, we've already got a system like that. It's called fiat currency. The people who have the most money get the rewards yeah. because they run the banks. Like that's exactly what that that was. The whole mining industry was not only a good way to distribute coins and also to solve the double spending problem, but it, it also created like a bit of a hobby, you know. It mean meant that people got involved and they were spinning up their computers and you know geekily like mining away and there was a kind of a there's a cool element to it right now everybody's established with the idea of cryptocurrency but when you said oh mining cryptocurrency like there was even uh, a couple of uh, months ago hillary clinton oh all these bitcoiners trying to mine their new coins into existence good luck to them with that and it's like it's it's this sort of mystical uh property that you could just create money out of your computer and all of that added so much to it and proof of work still remains essential that i'm not <laughs> i've been skeptical of the ethereum uh proof of stake transition and i think yeah a lot of these chains they're just not going to hold up in the long run because if they were just launched on their own like you say just it wouldn't go anywhere um 
but like what about in in comparison then to the smart bch stuff have you followed that in any great detail well i thought it was a cool idea to begin with so i, I slightly looked into it but because it was still a centralized bridge to begin with i thought you know what i'll just wait until maybe someone else makes it like decentralized because i thought it was a cool idea to start testing with it just like you know, have like other other um side chains and things like that to test out but i just hadn't had the time yet to to look into it much so i i wasn't much involved with it at the time so i guess that's a win then uh, you know yeah, it, saved, it saved me from the drama as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's exactly it and i think that's something that it's easy to overvalue or undervalue i guess whichever way around it is is that actually how uh resilient bitcoin cash or any of the major cryptocurrencies are in terms of how much is actually going on and like with for instance doing a coordinated upgrade that bitcoin cash does every year there's a huge focus on not disrupting too much of the other things that are kind of built around onto it or to users or whatever because the fact of the matter is there's all these people using crypto that nobody, you know, nobody's aware of, or they're just doing, they're just using it. Right. It's not like they're not deeply involved in this, that, and the other thing. And they're going to say, Oh, I need to upgrade. I need to switch this. I need to do that. No, they just want to show up and have their money still work. And then if there's new features and things, well, they'll check them out when they have time, but it might take them years to get around to that. So you can't screw up their money that they've already got uh, for the sake of that. So I think, I don't know. Do you have, if you're, if you're an engineer, then does that inform the way that you look at cryptocurrency? At least for me, it does. But how do you think that plays out compared to other people that you see without an engineering background looking into crypto? Well, undoubtedly it has some effect, but I don't know how much, like there's also some people are just very interested in a subject that that, that's the same thing, you know, like there are, there are same, same with any, any, engineering discipline there are many engineers who maybe didn't go through the traditional schooling but are better engineers than the ones who did actually go through the schooling just because they're they're so fascinated by by what they're studying and what they're working on so i mean i think it's all, all of it a lot of it has to do with personality as well or just what what your interests are so definitely i mean i the way i was saying i mean so i'm a, like a software engineer but i haven't done any training or any like i didn't go to university uh for um software or anything like that mm -hmm. and i think one of the ways that i notice that it plays into things and we'll talk about it a bit more in this episode too is uh i have a very pragmatic approach to a lot of it i think it's very hard for me to get excited about coins that i can just see like if you added 20 times as much transaction volume this would just die <laughs> or it just wouldn't work or it couldn't mm -hmm. couldn't get there you know uh, and i put a very high premium on things that i can poke around in the tech a bit and see okay this has actually got a bit of legs to it and it's mm -hmm. i'm not as easy to like bamboozle like you can see there's even some people who are who are big crypto people right they're love crypto they're very involved they might even be influential in the scene but because they don't have that technical background their arguments are always sort of from this point of oh somebody told me that this mm -hmm. isn't going to scale or this isn't going to work or, or whatever and they just kind of go with that and there hasn't actually been all that much debate that i've seen between like 
engineers and non-engineers it tends to be like two non-engineering sort of influences and they each have like their half idea of of how engineering works but i think if there were if like someone like vitalik or i don't know gavin andreessen or somebody was more willing to get into debates against other people who went like lynn alden for instance like someone who was an economist or something like that should probably just get shredded because there'd be no no comebacks when it was like yeah but that's not going to work or this has to be a certain way because of this certain thing so i don't know it's just interesting the way that uh it informs everyone's point of view i guess um Pro- problem is a lot of technical people have a hard time uh, expressing themselves so <laughs> that's right so, exactly it's not it's not a it's like a people versus uh objects kind of thing if you're better with objects mm-hmm. you're probably worse with with people and so in that way yeah it's like a problem that every company faces right where they have the engineering department that is just wants to just focus on a problem and it also just wants to solve its problem and then there's the chaos of all the real customers and business demands and uh you know people's uh, relationships and stuff going on at the same at the same time but to get the to get the gold out of the engineers you've got to leave them alone you've got to create a bit of a firewall <laughs> where they just can work on a hard problem and then come back with the results but also you've got to keep them on track because if you let them just wander off uh, which i guess a decentralized community is more apt to then they maybe they just make something that nobody needs right just something that's cool for an engineer to build mm-hmm. not necessarily to use so yeah, it really plays into it. Um, right. So we had this kind of centralized incident with uh, Binance, which I thought was worth uh, highlighting because it was a big story this week, although it didn't, didn't really affect me. Oh, I guess probably also worth just saying that the it has, I think, briefly impacted the smart BCH bridge that is running with BlockNG. So yeah, if anybody needs to get their money out of that or whatever, take this as a warning and when it's up, do it and get your money out. Uh, before I forget too, and I'm, I just read the headline, so this might be, uh, you know, a bunch of crap, but, uh, I saw in the telegram chat that there was a bug in lightning network stuff too. So, uh, BTC had been locked for a certain amount of, like I said, didn't read the article, but funny that it's happening at the same time. I mean, everybody, well, everybody goes through, through, uh, problems. And I, I guess that's just, that's the nature of this decentralized stuff, right? It just blows up over and over and over and it's become, it's anti-fragile, right? Until it becomes more resilient. Like that bug gets patched. A few people lost their money, you know, move on. And that's kind of the irony of the central financial system can point at this stuff and say, oh yeah, crypto is just a sham. And like, it's always having problems and stuff, but that's the point. It's always having problems. Whereas the the banks are not having any problems until suddenly everything is fucked and it's all blowing up. Uh, and at that point, there's not really much that can be done to to save it. So I, I actually take it as a bit of a like if there's not if there's nothing blowing up in crypto, I'm a bit suspicious. It means we're not pushing the envelope uh, far enough or, or fast enough, I guess. Um, but speaking of that, <laughs> we've got the Bitcoin SV uh, news that we certainly needed to uh touch on so obviously from my point of view and i would say many other people in the bitcoin cash community obviously there's historical animosity and there's different things bound up in it but it has been essentially predicted for a very long time that bitcoin sv was pretty much a a scam that was being run by craig wright and his uh billionaire or multi-millionaire whatever uh buddy calvin air who was financing him and the idea was some sort of variation of 
well, Craig can say that he's Satoshi and then can say, look, this is my 1 million uh, Bitcoins that Satoshi is sort of presumed to have. Nobody actually knows for sure, but the sort of analysis of the blockchain has a pretty good uh, stab at that. And that they could then say, well, give me back my uh, Bitcoins that I, the world's greatest uh, OPSEC uh, expert, (laughs) uh, lost somehow some way and uh now i need them back because i can't i don't have the keys anymore and this sort of it's like the it's like the it's a bit hard to explain honestly how it's all happened but it's just like this is the legal attack on on bitcoin right so that's been the sort of theory i'll i'll say for quite a long time and well here we are seeing it sort of play out step by step so bitcoin sv the bitcoin association that they call themselves have now announced a blacklist manager which is they've made a software tool which in their words allowing bitcoin miners to comply with court orders to freeze lost or stolen coins now this is very important to understand because uh in crypto the rule is not your keys not your coins i say it on this show all the time and the whole point is if you don't have the keys if you lose them you give them away you get hacked too bad so sad like the the point is the the fungibility of the currency and the uncensorability and just the rule is not your keys not your coins that has to be permanent because if it's not then what are we doing here right if anybody can come along and just grab your coins off you then you may as well have us dollars sitting in a bank account right but this kind of legal <laughs> angle of Craig's is, well, if I can convince a judge somewhere to say that I am Satoshi, then I can establish a legal precedent that these are my Bitcoins and they should have to give me back my 1 million coins. Of course, it's not really that simple for him because if he tries to um, tell the tell the nodes, tell the miners and the nodes to give him back the coins hopefully the vast majority is just going to say fuck off and not do it and it doesn't matter how many court orders he has he he can't get anywhere but he's clearly trying to make an example with bitcoin sv that he does have a bit of control over in order to establish it as a precedent and then go to bch and to bdc and say look judge who probably doesn't know the ins and outs of all this stuff i've created an example where this other judge said that I was owed these bitcoins and I changed the software and now I got the coins. Do it for the rest of them, right? So, I mean, I think this is obviously a gigantic scam and this is very predictable and we're going to see it uh, kind of play out. What, what do you think? The old Craig Wright aspect or Bitcoin SV in general? It, it surprised me that, like, when you hear all this, like, the, it really surprised me that, that you'd want to go along with it even to begin with like that like the whole idea is that you can't easily shut it down or anything like that so if you can if there's a court order that you can have so much effect on it i mean that it, it just it's so it's so against against what it, kind of everything how it started off with so it it just makes no sense to me so i've never i remember thinking reading some articles once think like hey you know what if and like all the way in the beginning like i read about well, who's this craig wright guy i'm like but you know, you know, who, who knows? People are, are um, 
shoving him to the side and that's, but maybe, you know, maybe he is kind of the guy, but then once you start getting into it more, you realize like, Oh, it's just, it's just a bunch of in, inconsistency. So I was like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to spend much time on this anymore. So that's, but I had no idea of all the other court orders going on. Sometimes I hear something about it, but then I, I, I try not to uh, <laughs> get, get too involved with it. So. Well, you shouldn't need to. And that's the beautiful thing about it. That's kind of the whole point of the, the proof of, and like we were saying before, but you never know who's using crypto and what they're doing with it and blah, blah, blah. It all just is on the internet and, you know, the transactions go and the, whoever was making those deals was making those deals, right? That's kind of the beauty of it. And that's how it's supposed to work. And so yeah. this kind of attack, it is essentially a sort of legal attack by craig wright has been to be going around and suing all these different people of course that hasn't really stopped anything in crypto because it just 99 percent of the world doesn't matter who he sues the no, nobody else cares everybody else just carries on with their life and he wastes his time and money in court and unfortunately the time and money of a lot of people who probably had better things to do uh while the while the world sort of c carries on so his his plan is basically flawed because I don't know that there is much legal grounds for any of this. Uh, certainly, no matter how much time and effort he invests into it, he doesn't seem to be getting particularly far. He won, in quotation marks, his case against uh, Peter McCormack recently, and we covered it on this show. The judge said at the end, uh, <laughs> Craig has multiple times submitted false evidence to the court in an attempt to mislead us. So, uh, but I'm finding it uh, defamatory or whatever, and I'm giving him one pound of uh, compensation. And the reason the judge did that was then he couldn't sue again because he'd already had his like one court, like I think it had been that if he'd lost, he could have come back for round two. So the judge said, I'll give you one pound. That'll, you know, McCormack will have no trouble covering that. And then you're, you're, you're finished, you're done. And so he's obviously just somehow trying to wrangle his way around to, the court decided I was Satoshi as if that will help him. That's not going to, he doesn't have the keys. It's that simple. And so, do, do, yeah. Do you think this was part of the plan all the way from the beginning? Because I remember in the beginning, like before, like after the BTC BCH fork, I mean, he was able to convince a lot of people and, and like, including myself, like, oh, he's, 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 he's a decent guy. Right. In the beginning, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. A lot of things he said made sense. And also like, convincing um what's his name again um where uh, the satoshi gave uh, gave over the project gavin to, gavin yeah, gavin, yeah. gavin gavin so, so being able to fool or or, or mislead people i mean he, he must be really good at it on a, on a on a smaller scale as well then i would think so I, I sometimes wonder was this all part of the plan from the beginning or how how does this evolve you know something like that yeah i mean it certainly seems to be <laughs> somewhat of a plan there's certainly if you dig into it a bit more and i personally am no expert in all the ins and outs of it but there was sort of seemed to be this this plan uh earlier it's now turned into this whole um you know legal orders to grab the coins kind of scenario but before that there was a whole angle with patents where craig is always talking about how he has all these different patents and the idea basically was that he had a bunch of uh, that's how he got uh, Calvin involved, uh, you know, to my superficial understanding was he basically went to him and said, look, 
I'm Satoshi, you know, whether or not he said to him, I'm Satoshi, like I believe it, or I'm Satoshi, you know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, if we get patents on this Bitcoin stuff, and then we're the only ones who can use it or develop it or license it out or whatever. <laughs> then if we make a big enough, you know, believable story, then we have a patent and then we can sell the patents, uh, like patent trolling, basically. And that and there's a whole bunch of stuff anybody who's interested can go and look into it. There's this article called The Satoshi Affair by this journalist who went to like find out what was all going on and he hung out with Craig for a couple of weeks and he like <laughs> was there when the tax office was like trying to grab Craig and he's like fleeing the airport and like all this like stuff is going on. Right. And it's just like that, that was the original plan I think was going to be, if I'm Satoshi, then I can get a legal copyright over Bitcoin and then sell that and make a ton of money. But that kind of didn't really uh, work out because it's the same thing. Like the actual proof and evidence that he was satoshi started to come apart once people dug into the details of it and then things sort of just spiraled out of control and so it morphed into instead he got kicked out of uh btc sort of as a he wasn't actually a main part of the fork originally but he got carried along onto the big block side and they got kicked out of there too and so now he's just in his little corner he's just been sidelined like crypto work it worked beautifully it bitcoin just filters people out who it just doesn't want you know there's because there's no central point there's nobody came and said craig you're out but the fact is he is out and but, uh but yet yeah, we're, yeah. we're still talking about him <laughs> well that's that and that's it and i haven't i mm -hmm. i didn't really want to bring it up on this show partly mm -hmm. in that in that respect right i don't mm -hmm. bring up every little bit of drama i mean he's done a fantastic job of keeping himself in the in the conversation but yeah, i yeah, try yeah. not to bring him up too much this yeah. one this one is just really egregious this one had to be yeah, pointed yeah. out because <laughs> and, and undoubtedly yeah. people will come across of it and they'll also ask like hey what's this you know i had friends of mine asking like oh wait bitcoin cash is it the same as bsv or is it also what's the difference i was like oh okay well so i mean i think it's good it's on the show once in a while but it's because uh, because it's still so there, you know, so a lot of people who, who come into it might might be convinced that he is Satoshi and stuff like that. So uh, that's it's, right. It's yeah, worth, it's worth mentioning it at least. So yeah. that's it. And it's going to stay in the conversation. And I sort of see it. It's that part of that anti-fragile property of Bitcoin that it's important, like the BTC side, they always try and shut down discussion of BCH because if they br bring it up, then they just start losing the argument. Their whole premise is based on, no, don't look at that. That's not that's not the real Bitcoin. Where I have the opposite approach, I think, for BCH to BSV should be, no, everybody should go, go look at it. Go do your reading, mm -hmm. research it, figure it out if you like it. If I'm wrong, like, have a merry time. That's the whole point of crypto and it's actually beautiful in a way that people can be off in their own chains but bsv have a very well-deserved reputation as probably the most hated crypto that exists period uh because even like the most scammiest ones bsv is hated more because not only is it somewhat of a scam for the people who got involved but they're actively going out being aggressive creating all these legal problems for the rest of the industry that it's like how you could be in favor of that is just absolutely beyond me so i mean we do have craig appears you know at the start of every episode he's in the intro with his grand statement that he's going to bankrupt everybody of course that didn't work out 
much like a lot of other stuff that he you know has claimed and yeah it's just important that people remember that but basically what it comes down to is that on bsv it is feasible that this blacklisted uh client because there's like 20 nodes i looked it up i think there's like 20 or less nodes uh on bsv all of which are or a majority of which are probably run by calvin and his closest buddies so they can actually say okay we're adding blacklisting and add it and then all satoshi's coins will be not movable and then they'll add in a rule which will be like you know if if you have this other new key which we've just generated up uh then you can spend satoshi's coins or maybe they'll melt down those coins you know burn those coins and create some new ones however they do it it will be some way of moving the coins from satoshi's rightful coins to the you know his new under their control right but the important thing to realize is that that cannot even though they can reassign the coins like that they can't do that on bch or bdc there's no way to do it unless the network cooperates because whatever hack they put in it Mm -hmm. it still doesn't help them find a cryptographically valid signature for satoshi's coins so the only way for them to uh get this in on bch or bdc would be for the ecosystem at large the node developers and the nodes to all and the miners uh to all cooperate and and agree to this and unlike you know instead of having 20 nodes there's like thousands uh and hopefully enough of those people just are not going to bow like hopefully none of them are going to bow to any kind of pressure or like even if you got sued even if the craig i don't know tracked you down and he gave you court orders for your one node you could probably just still say, fine, I'm just going to shut off my node then. I'm going to do that in preference to actually running your corrupted like fork. And I don't see how he could compel you to run his crappy version of a node, even if he could shut you down from running yours and you just let somebody else <laughs> run it who's in another but He can't find everyone. So, it sounds very decentralized, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right, exactly. And that's the ultimate resistance. You know, it's this only... We're going to find out. I I don't know about Craig's chances or not of getting the certain court orders that he's obviously angling for, but even if he does somehow wrangle his way with enough time and money into getting them, it's going to be, the proof is going to be he gets his court order and he shouts uh, to the sky at it and the network just carries on exactly like it, you know, has always has always done really. Jed, do you have any thoughts on any of this? I'm kind of interested because I think there was also the case against uh, Hodlnot or Holdenot or whatever the hell. Um, I think that was just recently like, uh, or just recently wrapped up. I don't know what the conclusion was, but it's just another like defamation case. And so I don't, I don't really think he's going to get anywhere with any of this. Like it's just wasting people's time and money. It's, I don't know, like a week ago, I remember, uh, I, was, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it, it was like some entrepreneurial thing. And they were like, focus on what you're doing, not the competition, because the competition will always be there anyway. And I think Craig has done the opposite, where it's, uh, he's so focused on what the competition's saying about him and so concerned. Uh, I don't even... You know, I don't, I don't know. What, I can't tell what's genuine either, right? Because he comes out and he's like, uh, no, my, my social abrasion and, and um, like issues communicating is because of autism. But yet 
I'm sure Vitalik, if we're tested, would be on the spectrum. And Vitalik's like, no, he's just speaking techno babble. Like, it's all a bunch of shit. So I don't know. I feel like it's more of like, uh, I think I think he might be a pathological liar. And I, I don't think that anything will actually come from this, to be quite honest. And then you have, you know, the people from the BSV scene going like, hey, Kelvin, listen up, buddy. <laughs> listen to the companies that you're investing in because this tech sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I notice most about the BSV community. And I mean, obviously I can say, oh, you guys are all just, it's all centered around Craig and Calvin and they could say, well, BCH is all centered around Roger Veer or, you know, whatever. Anybody can point fingers as to their favorite uh, chain, how centralized it is, whatever prominent uh, figures. But one of the things I really notice is, yeah, like you were saying about him being a pathological liar is that I have had, you know, personal experience uh, in my life with somebody who was genuinely a like a that that kind of a liar. And I think for people who haven't had that experience, because most people are honest most of the time, right? So people are used to that. And even though people lie as well all the time, but it's like most people, if you've caught them in a lie, once the once the the crosshair is over them, they'll give up the act, right? They'll go, okay, no, you're right, and the truth will kind of come out right but there are certain personality types where they would just double down and it doesn't matter whatever evidence you have it's never enough for them to just admit okay i lied or this is the real story or like anything like that right they just lie and lie and lie and it'll just be the next thing and the next thing and the next thing until you just figure out a way to (laughs) disengage or corral them or get them out of your life or whatever you have to do like because they there is they just lack that ability to just I don't know. I guess they just see that there's no sort of consequences. I mean, the consequences are that everybody just cuts them out of their life. The, they just spraying toxic shit everywhere. But the whole thing reminds me of that Jurassic Park meme. I don't even remember the original context, but there's uh, the guy who, like, oh my god, it's been so long since I watched the movie. But there's the guy. I just recognize him as Gabe from Half Life, and that's not who it is. But <laughs> there's the actor that looks like him, and he's like. Uh, whoever he's sitting with says something and he's like, no one cares. And then he's like, he shouts it for him and he's like, see, no one cares. Oh, and this is, yeah, 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 I feel like that's Craig and this Satoshi claim, like no one. And I think from that too, you had people going, well, if Satoshi came back, should we listen to him? Like, why, why should we care? The network's doing great now. I mean, I think if the real Satoshi came back and, and it's an interesting point, right? Some I saw somebody saying the other day, I don't, they were saying something like if if the real Satoshi came back or they wouldn't instantly be sort of uh, regarded, you know, uh, straight away. It wouldn't suddenly be like, oh, I'm Satoshi and I decree this and everyone would go, well, Satoshi said like, and I think that's true, but I think it's also easy to undervalue how, how, you know, strongly if the real Satoshi came back and started posting and it was actually verifiable that this is the real Satoshi there, that would be very <laughs> uh, influential, you know, like not only just from the financial aspect of it, literally having, you know, a million uh, coins of each, each one, but also just the, I would, I would take it very, very seriously. I just, one of my favorite all time Bitcoin posts or something was that somebody posted in, I remember in 2014, there was this one post that was number one on our Bitcoin. And it was somebody said like, Oh, Satoshi, can you answer this? Like they had some stupid question or something like that for for Satoshi. 
and everybody just thought it was so funny that they just upvoted it uh to the top and then somebody's the top comment was somebody replied just like this is like going to our christianity and asking you know jesus a question <laughs> and that was just it, it did have that religious vibes right like satoshi just universally respect everything satoshi didn't make any mistakes except the block size limit it was just professional perfect opsec stayed anonymous never spent all their coins walked away from it, did a bang-up job with the engineering, changed humanity. Yeah, how much more can you ask for, right? If Satoshi came back, I'd be pretty interested in what what he had to say, am, i got to say. Am I misremembering? Like, you had mentioned perfect off OPSEC, but didn't some of his accounts get hacked? I think they did years later. I'm not sure right, what yeah. the... Certainly some of his, like, email accounts that have been dead for ages, and there's been various sort of broad like satoshi has come back type of claims I, I i'm not good enough with all that stuff to know whether those were real like it might have been not that he fucked up but the like you know the email host yeah, especially with email using. it's like there's so yeah, many different stuff like that yeah so I, I i don't i don't know in that regards but if if satoshi came back and signed messages from the genesis block like I don't, but you would. Well, I I feel also very confident that I would be able to know with the real Satoshi. For, the first thing would be signing from the Genesis block. But you can say, well, wouldn't? What if somebody stole their keys or it was a something like that? But like, I think you would know, you would be able to talk to them. You like you would <laughs> like it would be the opposite of Craig, where he just comes up with all this shit about Bitcoin that is just plain wrong, and is like, it's like he would be an expert in Bitcoin. He genuinely would be, and like that. That, that's pretty hard to fake, uh, actually, at a at a good level, you know. Speaking of, uh, uh, I've got my Genesis Block coffee mug here. It's even got the, cool. the caption, the Chancellor on the Brink. Uh, yeah, the Times, mm-hmm. 03 Jan 2019, Chancellor on Brink of Second Bailout, bailout for the Banks. For banks 2009. Yeah, uh, 03 Jan 2009. I don't know what I said. Yeah. I'm you a little too caffeinated. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 2019. That was a bit recent. But anyway, all right. Well, let's just wrap up this uh, topic. But basically, essentially, it is imperative that everybody in the Bitcoin Cash ecosystem just sees this for a complete scam at takeover attempt because undoubtedly getting the BSV will be step one and step two will be give me the BCH and the BDC. And the response has to be no, fuck off. And everybody just run a node and just do not comply with any of this shit and it will go away. But if we faltered here that would be the end of everything so can't go down that route that's for sure all right next topic i've got is uh r science reddit has been debating bitcoin mining so there was a post which got really high up on reddit this week uh which said bitcoin mining is just as bad for the environment as drilling for oil each coin mined in 2021 caused eleven thousand three hundred fourteen dollars of climate damage adding to the total global damages that exceeded $12 billion between 2016 and 2021. And it's from this Eureka alert, but I think there was other sources and quotes and so on and so on. But the University of New Mexico researchers find Bitcoin mining is environmentally unsustainable. Now, given the um, Ethereum merge recently, it seems like crypto and the environment is such a huge 
topic, to my perspective is that that's basically this is the last round of FUD that people can come up with because crime and money laundering and drugs and hackers, it's all been just told to the public that this is what Bitcoin is. But given enough time, people have seen through that. That's horseshit. And now it's just down to the environment is the last great uh, sort of social media attack on it. But the reason to bring this up is that Reddit was actually very positive in Bitcoin's favor, which is unusual because you would expect a lot of people uh, going for that environmental angle. And there's people discussing in the comments and what about Bitcoin and blah, 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 blah. And how does mining work? And what's the point of it? And all this stuff in this huge uh, thread, it's very coming into the public consciousness. So it sort of feels to me like the tide is really starting to shift in earnest. Like once you get to that sort of 10% minority of the human population, then it snowballs to everyone else really quickly. Like, right, it's a critical mass thing. And I think we're kind of, we're getting pretty close to that, but that's just my take. What do you think about the environment and Bitcoin, Killian? It has a use case. So that's like people... People won't won't judge you for heating your house or, or using your car. I mean, they might a little bit like, oh, you should do it less or stuff like that. But still, everybody still eats. Everyone still heats their home. So, I mean, because we all we all see the use to it. So if you compare Bitcoin to all the traditional finance, all the people heating up their buildings to keep all the finance, all the cybersecurity, all the people driving to and from their jobs, I think. If it get a decent comparison, probably the Bitcoin mining efficiency-wise would be a lot smaller environmental impact if you'd compare it on the right scale. So, but I, I would like to see some 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 uh, estimates of what the traditional finance sector uh, actually uses in energy, because I think it's it's I can imagine it being quite a bit of energy and probably a few orders of magnitude larger than even all the electricity that's used with Bitcoin mining. So, but. yeah, I don't know. We might be starting to come up, you know, close, close on that metric. I, I think, yeah, it's a valid point. It's one I often discuss with people, but I think, yeah, probably, probably, especially as time goes on, especially if Bitcoin gets even like another order of magnitude or two more valuable at some point, it will be using more energy than the, banking system of course well, you know it's more at, useful than that <laughs> at one megabyte yeah the per transaction cost yeah that that would be a lot higher so <laughs> if you're comparing btc of course yeah <laughs> that's right that and that's exactly it that's why it's critical like bitcoin was designed from the start actually to there's another uh, element to it that we were talking about before all those different layers energy and material science the mining industry and stuff like the it's actually drives humanity towards more green energy uh where it like can be done anywhere in the world and uh it can use a variable amount of, of power up to any cap right so people who are doing hydroelectric and stuff like that the problem is you end up generating more electricity than you have and storing it is very inefficient right batteries and so on so instead you can just run some bitcoin miners and then you have to run your power grid above the uh demand because otherwise people get blackouts right so it's you know bitcoin mining can can fill those holes and the demand for miners is that they're economically motivated to produce the most efficient energy the most efficient way possible so it's actually you know driving research into 
better alternative energies and because of the algorithm and the difficulty adjustment it can just keep going and accelerating humanity towards you know better production of energy but uh once you get into all these nitty-gritty which is kind of what was happening on on reddit you know the the fud angle is ah, oh, but it's useless like why we don't need this yeah. like mm-hmm. i don't know why it is like you say oh if you switch off all the hair dryers in the world like we don't need them anymore you know i think they're useless someone would say yeah well but somebody else finds it useful but if you just say that about bitcoin suddenly it's like that's not allowed mm-hmm. so i found a just from a very quick google search i found an article from september 17th of 2021 by franz Quiles, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. It starts off, I simply do not know why so many people try to discredit Bitcoin or cryptocurrency networks for their energy uses, uh, energy or electrical consumption. There are a lot of criticisms towards Bitcoin because it uses 91 terawatts per year, but I was wondering if anyone put his eye on the cost of the traditional monetary system. If we focus on fiat, the estimated global production costs of paper currency in 2014 were 5 terawatts per year and 100 billion liters of water. While the banking system alone is even more con- is even consuming more energy than the Bitcoin network, banking's energy costs are calculated around 100 terawatts per year. So 105 terawatts and 10 billion liters of water. Versus what? Versus 94 10. terawatts. Okay, so they're slightly slightly more as it is. But if the Bitcoin price 10x, the BTC price 10x, we would undoubtedly be using more energy. But on the other hand, like the argument is more sort of around... Yeah, but the market already finds the perfect rate because that's the whole point. Like the pri- Bitcoin only has a price because people want it and need it, so they buy it. And when they do that, that sets the price, which sets the difficulty. And then miners just mine up to that exact amount and no more because otherwise it's not profitable. They're better off switching off there. So it is a perfect system where it, it does it takes exactly the amount of energy that it needs and no more. But I don't know, with this proof of stake stuff, people just are increasing. Like, that's kind of the whole point. Ethereum kind of bowed to the social pressure, which I think was a terrible move. But they kind of are like, well, now we can say, oh, you don't need all this energy. Look, we've got proof of stake and that works fine. And it's like, yeah, that works fine, provided your you know environment is your one and only metric. Once you dig into everything else, <laughs> maybe not so fine. But uh, Also, for the like banking costs it's only it only includes three values server cost branch costs and atm costs so it doesn't include the banks or its employees um like to and from work uh (coughs) sorry (coughs) Um, there you go just too much bullshit (laughs) you get the point uh i will post this in the twitch chat uh so if anyone wants to take another uh, closer look they can yeah, yeah, and we'll we'll put that also in the video description for the uh, for the listeners who aren't who aren't live. Yeah. Anyway, suffice it to say, like this whole energy thing, and it is another topic. It has been a requested topic. I would like to do an episode going deep on it. Uh, actually, I got to credit Peter McCormack has recently done a few good episodes around energy, talking to miners and different things like that. So people can go check out what Bitcoin did uh, if they look up some of those energy episodes if you're interested in, in all that stuff, but we will yeah cover that on this show at some point. I just don't know when we'll get around to it. Uh, probably when it's a big fun topic of the month. Um, okay. So that was all to cover off all the other like chains and drama that is going on in crypto. Let's talk BCH. So this month we've had cash tokens 
work continuing jason dreisner dreisner i can't i can never remember which way around it is dreisner i think uh announces that v 2.2.0 of the cash token spec has come out he's there's 3500 test vectors he said in this one and the they ran a test of the uh chip the cash improvement proposal for cash tokens on a test network and they mined a few thousand transactions and everything worked uh, brilliantly they're going to be running another one later this month and i thought this was really important to point out firstly because i do think the cash tokens is actually a pretty big upgrade but i would say the more important part is that it's indicative of how smoothly the ecosystem is functioning the fact that we have this massive upgrade which is planned to lock in in november and then roll out in may so when you like it's not the case that may everybody's going to be finishing everything up in a rush and getting it in for may no it's going to be like all decided six months ahead of time and in fact not only is it all decided six months ahead of time but it's like we all have a working implementation of it ahead of the deadline for the spec to even lock in and as somebody who works all day in tech teams producing software, like getting to things ahead of time with lots of runway, with everybody calm, with it all going smoothly, with all stakeholders happy, that is a massive feat, let alone doing it on a decentralized uh, network. You know, So to me, this is just a huge sign that the network is going in the right direction. And given another year, you know, two years, three years, things are just going to keep getting better and better like they have been uh, for the last year. But I don't, I don't know. Have you heard much about cash tokens? Are you big on the idea of cash tokens, Killian? Yeah, I, I, I like the idea. I just haven't had the or I haven't taken the time yet to look into it uh, as much as I wanted to. But I'm definitely it's on my list, like one of the, the next things I'll, I'll, I'll uh, look into. So, but I haven't, I haven't had the, I haven't taken the time at least to look into it much. So, but it sounds like from what I've read, it sounds super promising. Like, whoa, okay. This like minor validated tokens and stuff like that. I mean, uh, there's a lot of possibilities that it unlocks. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's been knocking around in the ecosystem for a while. And there's obviously been, there was the SLP tokens which kind of uh, came into it. And there were these various proposals for group tokens and things, which then evolved into this. Obviously you have, uh, you also had uh, smart BCH tokens, which were more sort of Ethereum style, but this one, I think the reason to get so excited about it is that it is, has been very well thought out and very planned in advance. Like we were just talking about. And also it's unique. I don't think there's no other, because most of the other chains are EVM chains and the other Bitcoin chains like are not are not doing this kind of thing. This is homegrown in the BCH ecosystem specifically for the whole cash use case type of uh, vibes and adding, you know, scripting power. So I think this it could be a real sort of differentiator in the marketplace. And I am personally, yeah, looking forward to this a lot. I think we've got to be got to temper our expectations in the sense that it probably adds a lot more horsepower than the ecosystem will be able to get <laughs> momentum out of in the short term because you do have to build the tools for 
devs to then code code the contracts and everything and make all these tokens work and then you need to um, turn it into user-friendly products with good ux so i think there will be a, a bit of a lag but it does certainly seem promising that if we can have token ecosystems like all the other coins have with decentralized exchanges and so on and so forth um you know internet of things embedded in like all kinds of stuff so what exactly comes out of it sort of remains to be seen but certainly seems uh certainly seems powerful and yeah to me the biggest story though is not the actual cash tokens itself it's the surrounding process because you know it's it just shows uh cooperation and harmony in the community that if bdc or any other coin wants to copy this they're going to be doing it from a standing start. Whereas when you already have momentum, it's just a lot easier to um, make new, make new things and, and keep, keep the momentum going basically. All right, cool. So then we've also got here, Hey Taka, who are a Bitcoin cash company in the Philippines, and they have an open source wallet and also a service called connector, which is similar to Uber eats, style uh food delivery i don't really know the details in any more than that but basically you can pay in crypto is the idea for uh food delivery and uh you know getting a burger or a pizza or whatever dropped off your bitcoin pizza and they have been just crushing it uh i didn't actually realize but i think they're they're coming up to this big what they call public launch so they're certainly public i've known about them for a while i'm sure they've been mentioned on this show a little bit and they've been doing incredible work building an open source wallet because the community really needs that uh but they they obviously got to a bit of a point that they can make it to a sort of grand announcement so this october the 17th at robinson's north mall in taklaban city on the launch week they'll be activating at least 10 pioneering merchants their own proof of uh point of sales app and a Bitcoin Cash powered vending machine, so I'm really looking forward to this live stream to see what they've been working on. But this just seems like the full package going on here. They've already made a wallet. They're gonna make a proof of sale stuff, so that's gonna compete with the Bitcoin.com register app. They've got the vending machine, which are very high visibility, you know, and people can get the point of that, right? It's not like this is some gambling on some DeFi bullshit. If you, when you can buy things out of a vending machine, people understand that. And people understand that it's like cash because they used to putting cash into a vending machine. Less so these days, I guess, but maybe people who've been around for a while more remember that. So I just really want to give a shout out to the team on this because I know they've been working hard and this stuff looks amazing. Have you seen it? Have you tried the Paytaka wallet, Killian? I, I wanted to download it, but I think it's only Android for the moment. So remember hearing about it and trying to check it out but i i, I think it's only android for now but so i yeah. haven't had the chance yet so yeah i think that is the case i mean they're saying this is their official uh launch and everything so i might need to go back and have a fresh look at it. i have used it uh, a couple times in in the past it was it was it was pretty it was pretty good i did have a couple of uh small issues but i think it's critical that the ecosystem has people working on these open source wallets because it's been so uh, maligned or so you know griped about that the bitcoin.com wallet is the most 
user-friendly like go-to wallet and that that's closed source and they've been adding more and more ads and other coins and stuff like that and much aside from like cash tokens or getting the momentum rolling on anything else building a whole wallet ecosystem and integrations and everything that does not come quick so you don't want to get in a scenario where people need an alternative and then suddenly you start up a new you know fix or solution no you've got to have a, a few redundant options already ready to go so and that you know yeah the team's doing great work on on that and certainly if they can get a little bit of uh, a local ecosystem going in the philippines similar to townsville in australia or, or st kitts that that would be absolutely amazing would you try one of these uh vending machines what do you what do you think about that Are vending machines kind of going out of style or do you think crypto can bring them back into vogue yeah definitely i mean that's that's awesome that, that's a that's a that's a good start to to get people uh interested i'd say like if, if if they want to use it, well, here is some Bitcoin cash and you can use it and it will work very fast, I'm sure. So <laughs> I'm also interested in the, the, the Connecta thing that said like the Uber style uh, food delivery. Uh, that, that would work pretty well, too, I think. So I'm interested just if they can get momentum going, because that's that's the that's the I mean, that, 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 that sounds like a good um, use case, at least. I remember in the past, you could uh, where I live, you have like takeaway, you could use Bitcoin in the past, but then they stopped using, or they stopped accepting accepting BTC because it had such high fees and stuff like that. So that's, I, I remember using it in the past, but oh well. That's <laughs> yeah, a bit of a disaster. That's just will forever remain a huge regret of the crypto ecosystem. Just as if it's not hard enough to convince someone to try a new technology and give it a go and walk them through the steps and blah 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 blah. Like that's already just like pulling teeth. But then how far back it all got set with, and now we've got to do it a fresh round. No, no, seriously though, this time for real. <laughs> and we're not going to pull the rug on you like last time. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it was a disaster. It's, that's putting it mildly, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully the, we'll see the demo on the 17th. And I can even see maybe these things can sort of interact. Like maybe if you had the ordering with Bitcoin cash and you had the ATMs, the, not the ATMs, ATMs. Well, maybe they would have ATMs too, but you could then have the vending machines and stuff around and, you know, like maybe you could get food delivered out of your vending machine, but you've just already paid from your phone or you can pay in advance uh, when you just come in to pick it up or you can send some to your friend who is at the vending machine and they've run out of cash or whatever. Like there could be, um, could be a load of ways. So it seems, seems really cool. And I'm sure they'll be planning to sort of commercialize this and, and ship it uh, other places so it'll be pretty cool actually if commerce starts up like between obviously they're close to australia so then maybe they could sell some of them into townsville and it could add to the bitcoin cash uh vibe and flavor of the city that's something i really think is going to be big is something like this it's got this big uh bitcoin cash logo on the side and some sort of info and text about it like that's attention grabbing right people are really going to be like wow this is it's happening <laughs> when they start seeing this stuff spring up to life in front of them rather than just on the internet somewhere, I guess. It's harder to ignore. All right, cool. So let's chat about bitrally.cash. So this is a website uh, that you built and it accepts micro tips. So for the listeners, you send in like 
50 cents. I've got a photo here, but I couldn't get your cats in the photo. You send in 50 cents of, of Bitcoin cash and it rings a bell like on, on your desk or like in your study, it kind of looks like. And then your cats can come along and eat the food, right? So it gets their attention and there's mm-hmm. a robot arm. So you can actually like play <laughs> with the cats. And so you send in the Bitcoin cash to like get their get their attention and obviously it's just a a fun thing it's a cool demo of like you couldn't do this with fiat currency right just wouldn't work at all so what how how did you get inspired about this project walk me through the steps of of what went on here well i remember thinking okay i want to make something something bitcoin cash related so but then the question like okay what can you make that you can just let it run at home and that, that it can work. So, and all the way in the beginning, actually on this picture, you can even see it. Um, I built a, I have a 3D printer there in the back and you can see this, this um, robot there with a paintball gun on it. And the first idea was, what if you'd make like this online interactive uh, game where people can play paintball with, with real life paintball as well. But that sounds when sick. I'm, so, so I, I built the first prototype there, and you can see it on the picture even. But I mean, there's so much more that goes into a project like that, and you need to find uh, enough users. You need, you need to do some matchmaking and stuff like that. So I, I eventually realized that it was maybe a little bit too um, ambitious to do that as a side project. So <laughs> and I thought, well, you know what? I have some cancering around here, and maybe I can just make something that people can can play with them. So with the robo arm. So then, then I decided to go on to that. And then I, I um, actually, I built the entire robot also making it so that um, they don't, they, they can't hurt themselves. So you can run against the, the, the arm. So it, it's back drivable and the, the motors will, will give way so that they can never end up in a harmful situation for them. So, so and, and originally it was called um, cryptocats.cash but mm-hmm. um the fact that i was i was planning on adding these but i just i haven't gotten around to it yet so you see this it's kind of like this uh-huh, you like a, yeah. <laughs> yeah and it has a it also has a webcam on top and a raspberry pi so i was wanting uh-huh. to make a whole bunch of these so that uh you could not only play with the cats that you can also drive around my house with these then but there are still a few them. yeah race them or something like um you have the the um, Rocket League where you can play football yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, but then in real life, but then also like, I don't know, play some cats or maybe, I don't know, some other animals. I don't know. I thought it would be cool to have some interaction that way. But so but I haven't gotten around to adding this one because there's a few more. Uh, there's a lot more latency issues with the Raspberry Pi with the live streaming because the problem is with 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 getting live streaming just right like even not now on twitch this live stream like in actuality it's going to be like seven seconds of delay or something like that so you need mm. to get this super low latency live streaming and the raspberry pi just barely can't handle software that i'm running on there so i'll have to upgrade it slightly more to get the little cars running so that's why i changed the name to bitrally.cash for now it doesn't really make sense because it's crypto cats everywhere so but um real quick the twitch stream should be two to three seconds of latency and i believe i can actually set that down to be half a second um but i do also have like fiber up connection so um 
a uh, little little bit of an advantage here. I'm super curious I thought, about this. I thought this, it though. was seven seconds. No, I thought it was uh, seven seconds because I believe. Well, maybe you can set the delay down that so, but it might be seven seconds plus uh, whatever setting you've got, right? Because the reason is that Twitch enforces a minimum uh, delay because that's how they minimize lagging on the stream. If they have at least seven seconds of like buffered content, then if your internet drops out for two seconds then it comes back in like there's still seven seconds of 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 like uh time right so i as far as i know i don't think you can go down to literally like live or as close to live as possible let's do a real world test so i'm gonna okay i'm gonna <laughs> unmute my laptop here and when yeah. you clap so i'll just say like oh sorry for whoever heard my telegram stuff um so <laughs> uh i'll tell you to clap and then i'll okay sit like when i hear it i'll say okay i'll count from then to to now okay so clap four okay four seconds no not so, as good as i was hoping wanna, but if, if you would on, like go. to do something like that driving driving with a car or something like four seconds i mean it's just, just way too much so one of the largest challenges was getting that latency down to now it's 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 like sub it's about 500 milliseconds at the at the most so but and also I, I thought it was like a fun use case to show people around like okay what's bitcoin what can you use it for like like a demonstration why you can't do this with btc with the micro payments and everything like and the idea is everything's local so i can have a, a blockchain running like a full node you can have the video streaming it, like the server is I'm, I host it locally and the server for the for all the the redirecting is also all locally I host it myself and the the safety the safety um, um, the, sa the safety was a huge part like not only in um, in the robot itself but also I thought like it would be cool to use an xpub to uh, to uh, generate all the different addresses and that uh, mm -hmm. you can uh, um, link the this the different addresses to different um, session IDs, so that different users can do it. Like even if they get and hack into the the server itself, like they don't have access to any of the funds. So maybe in general, like there's not going to be a lot of money on here because it's just as a concept, or you can do micropayments. But the idea, you can use it on a larger scale for other applications as well. So I was just trying to make something where you can, in a fun way, show how bitcoin cash works and how the like what are the advantages how you can explain it to people so that's kind of the idea and i'll, I'll be working on it still but it's 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 aside from my uh full-time job so I, I work in a robotics company and i, I mean it's, it's sometimes i i come home and I'm, i i do have the energy and other days you don't so <laughs> it, it just takes time so <laughs> like any side project no but that's good that's the any engineer should be doing that should be tinkering away right not only is it fun but that's how that's how you build up your skills you push your boundaries and so how many uh, users actually do you have of this like in an average month or in an average week how many people use it do you know well i actually i, I built it like over a year ago already but i hadn't i hadn't promoted it anywhere and then i think somewhere this summer i thought you know what, i'll just i'll just i'll just put it on some telegram channels and Funny enough, like once every few, I would say a few weeks or something, I would, I would hear like, and then like, oh, wait, oh yeah, that's right. The, the robot's still running there. So someone, or I hear, I'm laying in my bed, and I hear, 
I hear the, the robot um, arm moving around. So, okay, cool. Someone, someone decided to try it out, but it's not that often. I would say a, a few, a few times a month, maybe but, that someone will try it, but I'm, I'm surprised that even that happens sometimes. So. That's pretty cool though. That's, it's one of those things where you just realize how big the world is, right? That just somebody somewhere out there in the ether is like, Oh, let me just play around with these cats. Let me just give this a go and, and get uh, some entertainment out of it. That That's super cool. And what about the tech stack that you used to build this? What uh, like libraries did you use? Did you use uh, is it in JavaScript or you do it some other way? Okay. So, um, the 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 backend everything is done with with Python and Flask, and then um, so there's there's there are different layers to this. So the, the and then of course the front end there's some um, some some JavaScript to the the, the coordinates because like if you control the robot arm it it will it needs to send your coordinates from your mouse back to the backend side here. So there's some JavaScript for that, and then on the 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 robot itself. It needs a separate microcontroller to do the inverse kinematics is what they call that to calculate which angles the, the motors have to be in for a certain arm position. So then I use a separate microcontroller with C++ on there. But that's, that's in general, that's the, the tech stack, I would say. But on, on, my Twitter, on my Twitter, there's a, there's a, uh, a small graph that goes through the... Um, the structure of how it's built okay all right yeah hit me up hit me up with that we'll, i'll tweet that out afterwards this is super interesting because like to me i'm i'm a software developer but i like a software developer like i've never played around with any of this you know robotics or even raspberry pies or circuit boards or anything like i've done a little bit of like soldering i guess but uh, a lot of a lot of that stuff is is beyond me i tend to exist in the in the virtual world as far as my projects go so i think it's super cool when people bring this stuff into the into the real world and maybe i should get get more into that it sounds kind of really interesting actually yeah for, for me it was the other way around because i i've been only busy with like the in the real life like the me mechanics of things and and rope like all the programming i've done has always been on um, like for 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 moving parts and 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 uh, stuff like that. So I thought, oh, let's let's dabble into the software aspects of things. So I, uh, I thought that that's why I started this project actually. Also, so can I harass you with a couple people... questions? Yeah, yeah sure. Okay. So first thing, have you ever heard uh, Spencer Lambert uh, back when like Iozetta was just released? Spencer Lambert did like I think something called Dash Ducks and he had like the Bitcoin Cash chickens and goats and it was all the same kind of idea and they were just like 24-7 live streams because he was on a farm um, and yeah you would just like send a little tip and it would feed the animals. Uh, did you ever like hear of that or use any of that? Yeah I was I was a huge fan like once right. I saw that that's actually which which inspired me to to start out with the, the paintball uh, robot I thought, well, let's just make it even more interactive. Like now it's pay and something happens, but I wanted to make it that you can pay and also do something with it. So, okay. Um, and, and in hindsight, maybe using cats wasn't the best, uh, the best uh, solution because they're kind of, they have their own little, uh, <laughs> their own will and they just, 
they they would rather sit outside and play with real mice than than with this fake little one. So <laughs> uh, I, think, I think you might have more success with dogs, like shooting a ball or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> and was there any reason, like, so when I saw those things, as, like Iozetta kind of triggered me for some reason, and I was like, okay, I can do this. Like I totally can do this. So I ended up making as my very first i think it was my very first hackathon project that i didn't finish in time for the hackathon i made a little candy vending machine for my sisters uh and it was the same kind of idea you'd send a 10 cents and it was just a tiny little servo i'm not gonna dig it out right now but uh with like a 3d printed plate and it was two plates so uh if the plates lined up something would be able to fall through and I just never figured out, like, that last... I was using just a basic Arduino. It didn't even have, um, like... It just, like, listened for one address connecting to, uh, like, an indexer or something. I can't exactly remember what it was. So was there a reason... Uh, like, is there... Ooh, how do I phrase this? Was using the Raspberry Pi just uh, something to give you a little more... Uh, like overhead room if you wanted to expand things like the arduino felt very limited on what i could do with it also c plus plus come on i don't like that one bit (laughs) yeah yeah it's there's a lot of libraries for the for the arduino and stuff like that so you can easily get the servo going i mean then the the it's just it's i don't know it's it's also what you're used to i think but the raspberry pi the only reason i use the raspberry pi I also don't like for the website itself. It's just running on some old computer I have. Yeah. The only Raspberry Pi I've running is on this car, and the reason was because uh, I wanted to do the the live stream with the webcam. Oh, okay. So that was actually it was it just needs some a little bit more power to do the the video because from this Raspberry Pi you see there's like this USB cable yeah. and it goes up to an, an uh, Arduino here. Oh, okay. And this one will. Um, this also goes to a little servo that I have in the front here that moves the wheels. And then ah. also a little drive here also from all, all done by the Arduino. But the Raspberry Pi just um, forwards the serial connection to the Wi-Fi because also the Raspberry Pi has Wi-Fi yeah. to my server on the other side here with also the robots connected to and stuff like that. But That's it. Same idea. But yeah. Oh, I feel like I've got more questions, but let me sit on this for a second and, and think about it. Oh, actually, <laughs> sure. here's one. What do you, what do you uh, if you could just kind of focus on these software hardware integrations, um, like if you had the time and the opportunity to do that, what do you think would be the, like your goal for a website like this, or maybe something kind of in the same realm, but different? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd make it more like an interactive gaming world, you know, like where you can, I don't know, go into a separate room or, or I don't know, like maybe like a zoo or something where you can, like it's it's gaming, but then we have, we had real life games and now we have virtual games. And I want to, I want to make the connection between the two actually. I think, and, and Bitcoin Cash could enable this some way. I mean, the gaming industry is huge and micropayments like this. And it's, I mean, I don't know. I thought that's that's kind of my main goal with with uh, with developing it, and also it's just a bunch of fun, you know, like making making stuff that you, other people anywhere in the world can control. I mean that that that, that kind of gets me going. <laughs> so, just as like an addition, 
with the cameras on the like on the cars or racing around or whatever what if it was like if you had a vr headset or what ar headset or whatever like you could see what the car sees right and if you turn your head the car moves and all that i don't know man i'm i love yeah, projects yeah, like definitely. this yeah yeah that, that but that that's that's all possible you know that that's that like, definitely like something like that could be an add-on later on but i just thought like everyone has a computer like let's just make it the well not room but a lot of people have the opportunity to somehow get to a website and then just to control it, I don't know. So even like using using a, a, a VR glass would be even cooler. Like imagine moving your head and that it moves on its own and then you can move on further. Like that would be awesome. I'll oh, definitely the share this. Says, yeah, what about if you get two cameras, you had one of the room and one on the front of the car and then it was like an obstacle course and you had to, you know, drive around a block and down a ramp and like uh, <laughs> something like that some like toy story uh type of uh situation yeah exactly something like that that would be cool so yeah if, if people have suggestions like like uh you can you they can you can send them to me i'll try to try to try to take them into account or we can brainstorm about it and yeah sure i mean uh i'm always open to suggestions so yeah, I mean, and then you just work the money angle in there for me is always super simple because then you just you just make it like a bit of like sort of gambling where, okay, it's like $1. Because it seems to me it's like real life arcade games. So like you just make yeah. it $1 to play. And then, you know, if you get the high score of how fast you complete the course or something like that, then you get, you know, a percentage of all the previous people who like paid in, right? So then everybody's trying to get rank up as to the fastest uh time and there's a little bitcoin cash element as well too i could see that working really nicely yeah yeah or you could have other people bet on on, on a race yeah, on how like fast well. yeah, yeah 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 exactly <laughs> yeah pick a or b you know red or blue or whatever yeah yeah that, yeah, would, be, or, or, or that would be super add cool some, add some add some mice in there you know like people can let the mice loose or something i don't know I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah chaos uh pay 10 cents to yeah, drop yeah, yeah. in chaos into the into the scene yeah <laughs> Man, yeah, no, this sounds like this uh, project could could take off. But yeah, I mean, it just comes down to the the time, I guess. That's like anything, any side project, you know. You only, there's only so many hours in the day, really, where you can mm -hmm. <laughs> you can dedicate to, to this kind of stuff. But yeah, I, it, it is fun, and yeah, people should check it out. Bitrally.cash and uh, give it a try. Play around with the robot send in some bch maybe get the attention of the cats maybe not it's a bit hit and miss i've done it a couple of times one time the cats came another time it didn't so you've got to be <laughs> that's that's part of the the gamble for sure is whether or not they're busy <laughs> they can be bothered dying out with you but uh you've got to be in it to win it as any good gambler will tell you so uh <laughs> check it out okay we've got uh next thing just some recognition for bch that i wanted to call out i just saw in the last 24 hours two little things that i thought worth highlighting one was from oh, i can't read what's the twitch handle on this guy it's at dean m dean m little posted on twitter last night after running payment broadcasts on bch bsv and solana for the past few months with zero investment in broadcast tech like mapi while not the cheapest, BCH is by far the fastest and most reliable. Make of that what you will. 
and I don't know who this guy is, but according to his profile, he's a developer for Twitch, which is one of the biggest BSV apps. It's basically Twitter, but you can add tipping and stuff to people. And it was just very unusual that you see somebody coming up uh, <laughs> roasting roasting BSV and Sol. A bit of a weird combo there, to, but I guess these are the coins he was interested in developing on and just saying bch is by far coming out the best so i thought that was just worth highlighting because that kind of thing doesn't come around easy you know it's not it's not the praise that you get of oh your coin pumped and suddenly everyone's excited but to be like wait this actually works the best is exactly what you want to be hearing because that's how you attract engineers uh into your into your scene and sort of at the end of the day if it works it works whereas if it's just a narrative like, oh, it's going to take over the world, but then a year later, nobody cares because it didn't actually work. Well, that's only getting you so far as well. So we had that. And then I also uh, heard some guys talking about Bitcoin Cash on this uh, space, Twitter space. Hopefully Jet can pull that up. Killian, I'm going to send you the link as well because uh, we got to listen to it offline. But let me just send you the link here. So it was just these guys talking about for about one minute in the midst of they they did a whole section on Bitcoin Cash, but I found this perfect little one minute uh, summary of their thoughts, which showed to me that and this is just guys talking about crypto in general. The message is really starting to resonate with people. So take a bit of a listen. You know, like a PayPal is through the roof. So you know, at some point, even look in Russia. You know, what's going on over there with the war with Ukraine, you know, and what they're doing with cryptocurrency and everything. And think about it. They shut down the banks. What are you going to do? Or, you know, if they basically hold your money hostage in the bank. So, you know, what's the what's the best way? And and even my buddy, um, my buddy down at the pizzeria there that everyone loves, um, he uh, he sends money back to like Costa Rica and stuff. So, you know, it's like, it's like wild, you know, he's like, you know, where else are you going to go and send money, you know, overseas international for little to nothing, you know? Yeah. And one of the reasons why they created Bitcoin cash was because Bitcoin, some of the average transactions are up to like $59. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like Ethereum with some of these transaction fees is actually some gas fees or they used to be right now. They have lightning network. They have some side channels, whether it's like layer two or any, something like that. But when you look at Bitcoin Cash, 24-7, anywhere in the world, instant, less than a penny. Like, Isn't that the goal? Isn't that what everyone's trying to accomplish? I mean, it just seems like that's the goal, right? And like I said, it's got the name. It's got everything. It's, it is a store of value. It's got the 21 million max supply, max. So, I mean, it's crazy that people just walk past it and they go on to the next thing, right? And they're like, oh, it's going to be this thing and that thing and that thing. It's like... Are you just ignoring this right here, right? You know, this big, big ass pink elephant right here. You know what I mean? With the big ass pink Bitcoin cash sign on it right here saying like, you know what I mean? Like, look at me, look at me, look at my numbers, like pull my fact sheet. You know what I mean? That's why no, it's weird. Even, even the ATMs though, um, there's like a kind of like a convenience store slash, I guess, bodega down by where I work. And, um, one of the one of the places that that particular place has a Bitcoin ATM now, and uh, there were you know, some lady got scammed or something that went down there. there but be um, 
3370. Yeah, good enough, good enough. That was it. That that main segment in there, I just had to play that for the listeners because this this is just a few guys. So this is not some huge Twitter space with some big influencer or whatever. It's like 50 or 100 people, you know, tuned in to listen to this. And just that to me is that's the start of what's going to be the huge story in six months, a year, two years or five years. I don't know when it's going to be, but people are getting the idea like it has. This is what it's all about. It has to be about payments, fast, simple, reliable. That's what people want. What are we doing with all this? gambling and speculation and like stuff that you can actually use and then talking about yeah like we were talking about the uh vending machines the atms like things that are physical that get in people's face that they see they see and connect with that because crypto is big but it's still a niche it's still a small thing that not everybody is using all the time or even that much and it needs to just jump across that divide to be in people's faces wow this is actually it we're actually transacting in a digital economy and i can see those seeds starting to flower i mean the whole peer-to-peer cash element has been overlooked for a long time but it's slowly gonna gonna come good that's my honest belief i don't know killing am i am i dreaming here are the average people are they gonna wake up to peer-to-peer cash or what are we waiting on i surely hope so <laughs> i think i mean it's it's one of those things like if, if there are it's like what was first the chicken or the egg like the the applications or the users you know yeah good question uh it's uh, it's <laughs> i think probably the users maybe i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i always feel like well, the, the chicken must have come first but that, <laughs> that's just my my take on biology it sort of seems like yeah the I don't know. The egg has to be the the genetic code of the. Anyway, <laughs> this, this is philosophy, <laughs> deep philosophy starting here on on, on the stream. But yeah, we it it's, it it needs to just get over that. Get like the public awareness is almost at that point, and I think all that needs to happen now is a mind shift away from gambling, which is how people think of it now: gambling and finance and speculation. They've got away from crime and fraud. That, like there's still some of that but they've moved past that and now it's onto speculation and then it, with dogecoin and whatever and it's just got to get to payments once that clicks into place we're off to the moon baby yeah definitely once once some there has to be like a few good good apps or, or things or, or, or use cases like where once once they start getting some traction people really start using it they'll realize like whoa this this just works and this like, oh, wait, it also has the cap. Like, like the guy was saying on the Twitter, like he was also surprised. Like, how come, like, why, why don't people realize this is a bigger deal? And I, I honestly had the same question back when I um, discovered like the difference between BTC and BCH and from a technical side. And I, I had a really hard time getting my head around the fact, like, what, what, how come, why is BTC so much more known? I had a really hard time, like, understanding how, why, why when the change when the two chain uh split and they kind of went their own way like how come why did this one take over the majority of the votes or the the the, or the recognition i had a hard time understanding that and i think it's still the same thing for for this guy now too like he 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 realized like wait what's going on here and it just it's going to take time for people to realize this i think so yeah it certainly is coming i mean it 
it, it, it was razor thin and that's uh something that is hard to appreciate in hindsight but bc at the time when it was a bit like is this one bitcoin or is this one bitcoin like bitcoin cash what we now know as bitcoin cash very nearly was just bitcoin and btc was going to be bitcoin core or bitcoin Blockstream or something else it didn't go down that way and certainly the social media like propaganda and attack was so effective i think the largest part of it really was that it started up well in advance by the time of the split we're already a year and a half basically into it all maybe more maybe nearly two years and at that time because the community was growing so fast when you have so many people coming in and they're only hearing you know part of the story or in fragments or they're not really understanding what's going on and anybody who's trying to explain like me or anybody else is getting you know banned and censored then it just manipulates the direction in in one certain way and uh once once they got hold of the core repository and they managed to sort of get the miners to follow along then then that was kind of it, it just had the momentum and I mean, it's just real life is just messy, really. At the same time, you have people flooding off into Ethereum and all the other coins to just get out of there because they can see it's all a disaster. And yeah, it's very strange how history plays, you know, to be honest. But uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have a better answer than the manipulation was effective and people haven't had a great need to use crypto yet. But when they will, and they once they do their research, very few people hate Bitcoin Cash who've done the reading, right? People who <laughs> people are very uninformed critics of it usually. All right, so we got meme of the week. Oh no, community comment of the week. I skipped a slide. Uh, community comment of the week comes from Willie Wu, who is a he's more on the BDC side, but I think there's a little part of his heart that actually kind of likes Bitcoin Cash. He was in the good uh, video with kim.com a long time ago uh, where he was at least hearing out kim's points and and thinking through it uh, anyway he's famous for doing on-chain analysis of uh, BTC and, and and whatever and uh, he somebody said on twitter norgard brian norgard said if you don't like twitter you should build your own network and this is obviously one of those troll comments where somebody is crit criticizing twitter for uh you know their censorship or their algorithm or, or whatever and then the classic response is oh go build your own and it's like yeah well that's actually a bit unrealistic a lot of the time but there's still some merit to it i would say anyway uh willie came back with a really good take which is just the irony is most people have already built their own network adding exponentially more value to their lives than twitter they just don't necessarily see it and i think that's just a good way to reinforce to everybody that online is not real life and with how manipulated and controlled online discussion can be, I think we're going to see a bit of a return to people more trusting their local communities and people they know, you know, their friends and, and family and shifting away from the the news headline told me this versus I know four people and they, they think this. I mean, obviously, you know, it's easy to critique. Or it's not exactly very scientific. Well, maybe it's not scientific either way as to have such a small bias sample of people you know. But on the other hand, people you know are most likely in a similar situation to you, and you also can trust that there's less filters between their opinion and, and you. You know, it's not... Uh, there's less agendas and less incentives and less things going on behind the scenes. So I think that's really worth keeping in mind and maybe ties into the 
theme of sort of disinformation or centralization versus decentralization. What do you think of this? Are you are you a heavy Twitter user? Uh, not really. I mean, in general, like social media, even I, I decided to take it all off my phone because sometimes you you just you just, I don't know you you go somewhere you sit at the bus stop or I don't know I'm just saying something and then you'll just take out people take out the phone and before you know it you've been spending so much time on your phone that I decided to just let's let's just take a break of all this stuff and and just see <laughs> see what life brings without all the social media and very sometimes I'll I'll check out Twitter still but then I'll have to drag out my computer at least and then then check it instead of then using the phone because your phone is there all over the place so then it's just so it's just too easy to grab it and 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 start scrolling away so so yeah and i i actually think it's a little bit of a little micro maybe even a macro sort of tragedy of our place in life these days that if you are just in a room with one other person or two other people or something just sitting around they will almost inevitably you know always be pulling out or scrolling on their phone or something so it's hard to just ha- ha- cut into that and have a little bit of like bent like they didn't have their phone you could be like oh you know how's the weather or whatever like just some thing and start a conversation with people you can still do that even if people are looking at their phone but it just raises the social barrier to then you're really like interrupting them rather than just oh we're here together you know maybe let's have a let's have a chat let's pass the time you know connect with each other and I, the thing is i think a lot of the time the p- person who is there with their phone it's they would actually like to have a conversation too but they just feel that they have to have that like safety blanket of scrolling mindlessly on their phone i i don't know i think many people don't even realize that there's some like some addiction going on because i remember the the first few weeks even when i took off my instagram i i didn't i wasn't even a like a heavy user if i if i look at other people in my circle some people use it a lot and but i was i was surprised at the fact that it was an automatic reflex even to to take take out your phone and looking for the app is like oh wait a minute yeah wait i i did deleted it so and it took it took a while doing this that you realize oh wait oh yeah that's right i deleted it so it it even even me, I, I did not consider myself addicted at all, but still you realize that there's some automatic, like, you know, it's just some, some, uh, something in there that just draws you into it. So did you ever use yeah. TikTok? I, I used it once for about 10 did seconds. Not. Oh man, <laughs> man, that one like screwed me. It, like oh, I, yeah, yeah. I've left all social media except for Twitter and Telegram. Um, mm-hmm. and that's mostly because like, I don't know how that, how else I'd connect with a lot of the Bitcoin cash community. Um, right. Cause I'm not giving away a phone number. That's ridiculous. But, but I remember like I was on TikTok for maybe a month total. And at the end of that experience, I was like, I have to delete this because I'm spending like three or four hours a day. Just like, oh, that's a nice seven second clip onto the next one. Giggle a little bit onto the next one. And it got like, I, re- I, I remember I would just pace around a room, like not recognizing that I'm wasting all this time and I'd get dizzy and anxious. And I wonder how much like more like uh, neuroticism, I guess, people that that people experience when they spend a lot of time online, especially with the quick, uh, quick consumed content, I guess, or quickly consumed content. 
it seems like a dangerous yeah. balancing act. Yeah, I mean, and I think the problem is many people just don't realize it because I hear people say, yeah, I don't have any time. I don't have any time. And like life is so busy. And yes, life is busy. You have a lot. We all have a lot of stuff to do. But then you, you have like these reports where you can check how many hours on your phone you've spent on different apps. And I was surprised like, okay, well, that's, that's about an hour a day. So like, wait a minute, that's just too much. Like, what can you do with that hour every day for a week or more? And then you have people, like you said, like, and, and I think a lot of, a lot of teenagers, if you, if you, if it's so used to, if you've never known any other, like for me, it was like, wait, something's, something's off here. But if you just grew up in it, I mean, what, where's your reference even? So I don't know. It's, 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 it's very, I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange that we spend so much time on our phone. I mean, it's, there's, it's built very well to keep people's attention. So at the same time, I feel like there's so much, like, I love, uh, showing people like music that they haven't heard that I think they'd be into and having my phone on me has been the best and easiest way for me to do that. And even if they don't like it, it's like, okay, well, I don't, it's not this whole system that's set up with a, a record player and an LP and we got to put everything back. It's just like, oh, okay, click, we're done. Uh, I wish, I think it's just like, we need to recognize that it's a tool more than like a uh, entertainment device. Mm -hmm. uh, I can I can definitely get on board with that. When I was uh, in Portugal the other week, we were talking about before the show. I met a girl who had a really interesting concept where she'd been obviously traveling around, and as you do, meeting a lot of different people from lots of parts of the world, and just in passing and all that. And so, people that she liked, there was obviously some barrier, like there was some sort of filter. It wasn't just anybody, but people she'd had a good conversation with. She would say to them, "Hey, can you just add a song?" to my playlist and she just had a playlist that was uh of from all the random people and you could just pick i don't know your favorite song or a cool song or a different song and just by having that variety of people that she met she ended up with a really varied playlist that would then remind her of like you know those people that she talked to and that travel adventure and stuff that she had and yeah i thought that was a super cool idea i mean obviously not on this podcast we're going to be saying technology is the end of the world and it's spurring humanity like the, no but <laughs> On the other hand, yeah, it's it's something we do have to be mindful of, uh, certainly. And uh, yeah, my top tip is to everybody: you can go, you can switch out your phone into black and white, mono monochrome. That's what I have it on, and that massively oh, really? reduces because a lot of the a lot of the way that it uh, draws you in is by color, right? Because if you just like if you switch if you just turn on your phone, right? I'll do it right here. You back and I put my phone up like this. You can already see that it's less. Uh, interesting than the background behind it right because the background is cool. colorful and my phone is in black and white whereas the if you have it the other way around, and obviously i also have my uh, brightness like fairly low but if you have your brightness up high and it's obviously colored then if you just hold up your phone in front of your face it will be more interesting to your eye than the you know the stuff that's in the background that's not hyper saturated like that so you can that's a one way to massively uh, reduce how subconsciously triggered you are to pick up your phone i also have all my notifications like sweet i think there's one or two things that i get notifications for almost everything else none of it and i always have my phone on silent uh and and like so sometimes I, it vibrates uh, for like a phone call but nothing else text messages nothing it's just a <laughs> dead rock until i pick it up so that's also how i try and reduce how dependent I am on it as a as a habit like you're talking about yeah 
those are some good tips i'm gonna look into some of those yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cool. you gotta you gotta fight back against the phone it's controlling your mind man what do you mean <laughs> It's, it's so useful. And that's why I, you can't get rid of it because you often, it's just useful, but we need to find a way to get along with it. It's like technology in itself isn't bad. You can use it for good and bad things. The same, same with our phones, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's enough about the demise of society. Well, we got one, one last thing, meme of the week, uh, sold from wall street silver. They quoted a uh, tweet from disclosed TV. It says, Justin Belarus president, Lukashenko from October the 6th all price increases are forbidden forbidden from today not from tomorrow from today therefore from today price increases are prohibited and they've added the uh, Wall Street Silver has added the comment dictator solves high inflation in one day literally can't fail exclamation mark exclamation mark exclamation mark we should all try that three exclamation marks and I just saw this and in the context of the Binance stuff and the BSV stuff and obviously the stuff that is being built on BCH, which is just kind of organically happening. I don't know. It's just such a good reminder that inflation is going to be taking off like a rocket and you know it's really getting bad once the central controls start to come in. Like you can't raise prices. That's not going to stop the prices going up. It's just going to make drive the incentives for the black market. How, you know and people selling things <laughs> corner to corner, you know, whatever. Like that's just, you know, a free market flows around price controls. It just always has in history. So yeah, it's, that's, that's what we're going into. That kind of world is price controls come into a store near you in the next five to 10 years, probably. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> it reminds me of like in the beginning, when I started getting into Bitcoin, you also start getting into like what's money and hey what like what what exists and i read a book on on gold and silver and he goes through like this this exact same thing i like guess it's, it's been happened over and over and over you know like it's, it's, it's funny like re, i thought I, I enjoyed reading reading up on gold and silver and the history of money because you know, i mean this it's it's the, it's the same story over and over again so <laughs> All right, cool. Well, that was the meme of the week. Last slide, as always, uh, message to the community. So just an open platform for whatever you think the listeners need to hear. What what direction do we need in, in Bitcoin Cash from your point of view? I think the, 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 the common, the, the common uh, narrative already is pretty good. I mean, peer-to-peer cash and let's just keep using it and let's just keep doing what we're doing. I think uh, if we, if we can keep the ball rolling, it's just a matter of time and uh, people will start noticing it. So, well, it certainly seems like they are. That's why, that's why I just had to put that clip in. I really like those small little clips of just a, a couple of guys on a Twitter space somewhere, just that, that kind of thing compounds and it ripples out into society faster than we realize in hindsight, it will seem, fast but uh in you know at the time maybe it seemed slow i don't know <laughs> anyway <laughs> the revolution continues so that will pretty much do it for our episode as always you can donate to the qr code on the slide today i've got it in the nice bitcoin cash green i was playing around with the new qr code generator kind of hard to read so next week i think we'll get it back in the the black uh but 
it's in in green today shout out to the patrons ricky and hp thank you very much for supporting the show and thank you to anybody who donates anybody who listens on podcast as well check out www.bitcoincashpodcast.com for all the info on bitcoin cash faqs links to the music if you like the song at the start or at the end of the show that's up there um what else is there resources recommended stuff links to all the um places you can follow the podcast like on twitter and odyssey and whatever else and yeah just uh thank you for listening so shout outs killian who do you want to give a shout out to um i would say shout out to the to the um the the cash token devs Uh, some really interesting stuff going on there so uh, i'm really i mean i'm looking forward to see what comes out of that and to dabble with it myself somewhat so maybe maybe in the upcoming uh, bitreality.cash as well so shout out to the devs yeah absolutely and where can people find more of you if they want to give you some feedback about bitrally.cash is there a link on the on the site like a contact me type of thing there or where can people find you uh, they, they can find me on uh, killian de Rovre on twitter so that they can they, they can contact me there <laughs> you're, you're gonna need to spell that man i'll put a link in the description <laughs> yeah but... sure you can put a link there yeah Okay. All right. And uh, Jet, any shout outs this week? I do. Finally. Uh, I should have done this last week, but uh, communication got kind of messed up there. Uh, my shout out is to Marcelo, who is on, what is it, episode 17? Yeah, one of the old timers. Yeah. Um, he has funded my trip to St. Kitts. He's paid for my plane tickets um, and uh, contributed a bit to my uh, accommodation so shout out to him without that i wouldn't be there so i'm excited to see you there um also uh already funded but he he requested i i uh point some attention to it too so the uh, bch argentina team uh and their successful flip starter keep an eye on that and uh you know hope it all goes well for him yeah absolutely they're crushing it down there and in argentina and it's only uh one month i guess until uh bch 22 at st kitts killing are you going to be there for that ah uh, too bad i won't be able to make it so that um maybe maybe somewhere in the next one somewhere in europe i uh, might be able to make it but yeah yeah well, it's gonna be fun, rotate. I'm sure. <laughs> gonna have to rotate around the globe with that for sure to make yeah. sure everybody gets a gets a crack at it that's that's definitely definitely true we're gonna to have to work on some solid adoption in in europe so there's a good like slovenia that's uh or slovakia it's slovenia right uh has a lot of the slovenia, go crypto yeah. stuff yeah maybe that would be the be the place to look and my shout out goes to dwellers art in the chat who's the first time uh chatter and was pointing out that uh even when we only had uh old like brick phones with android and snake games people would still check if they'd missed a call or just look at their phone or fake having a phone call or something like that to try and avoid social contact so maybe it's all maybe i'm over exaggerating maybe it's always been the way ever since probably went back when i don't know before that people used their books or something to just ignore each other like maybe we are just anti-social creatures at heart i don't know but uh that Speaking of, uh, have a good day, everyone. uh, Till next time.
story the world has ever known. The rise and rise of Bitcoin. 2022. A single chance for the world, a single moment in time. Bankers captures all, our cryptocurrency flies. Gets to decide, Phoenix fly from the flame. Bitcoin BCH forever changing the game. An underdog story everyone trying to deny. Bitcoin revolution, crypto trade on the rise.